welcome to Arts Report. You are listening to CITR 101.9 FM, broadcasting to you live uh, from UBC campus on the unceded and stolen Musqueam territory. My name is Ruby Raven, and welcome once again to the Arts Report. So, uh, we have yet again a jam-packed episode. Um, we are going to be hearing an interview um, with Jim Smith who is uh, the head of the choir, um, the African Native Choir. Uh, And Kimara will be interviewing him about Broken Chord, their new show. Uh, You're also going to hear an interview from comedians, uh, comedian duo Girl God uh, from me. They are currently uh, a part of the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival happening in Vancouver this week, and their show will be on February 25th. And then you'll hear a review of The Cull from Lua and a review of Starwalker from Steven. So let's get started because I cannot wait to hear all of this lovely content. Welcome to today's episode. Today we are joined by Jim Smith, um, Executive and Artistic Director at Dance House. Um, So maybe you could tell us a bit more about your work at Dance House and Dance House in general. Sure. So um, Dance House has a mandate to try and welcome to Vancouver uh, dance productions that are otherwise traveling around the world. So it's a very specific uh, niche of programming that we try to take on. Mm -hmm. It rounds out the, um, you know, the dance calendar, the dance presentation. There's a lot of dance that happens in Vancouver that are presented by a number of other organizations, which is often local work or Mm -hmm. national work. And uh, what we try to do is just round out the complement of bringing work from other parts of the world, which allows uh, an audience in Vancouver to appreciate what is the Canadian experience or the Vancouver experience when you see it in contrast to work that comes from elsewhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, so specifically now this Broken Chord um, production, could you tell us a bit about that show and like how you came to partner with that show? Sure. So uh, I've been admiring the work of choreographer Gregory Macoma for some time. And uh, Dance House actually presented in this previous work, uh, previous year, a DigiDance presentation. So that was a digital work. And it was actually a work that had been commissioned from another company. So not his own production company, but another dance company. Mm -hmm. So that was really my first encounter uh, in terms of presenting his work. And, you know, for the previous three, four years, I have been sort of admiring his work, where it's been going to, been able to have a couple of conversations with him about, Mm -hmm. you know, his particular uh, perspective on dance, choreography, and being in the world. And then because the company is based in South Africa, it really does take a collaborative effort to identify a number of other presenters in North America Mm -hmm. that would like to welcome the work uh, to um, their venues as well. And so Mm -hmm. many of the stars aligned in such a way that um, the work will come to Vancouver, uh, Ottawa, in that order, and then Toronto, make its way to London. It will also do a bit of a stop off in Germany and then return to South Africa. Originally, the company was supposed to also make its way to Stanford along the west coast of the U.S., but unfortunately, that presentation had to be cancelled. But I only point that out because there was um, what I thought quite an interesting poetry that uh, the choir, the actual source choir that the work is based on, which is uh, a choir that was touring from South Africa to the US, Canada and to the UK. So there was a bit of an echo in the presentation of this work, Broken Chord, which is based on um, this choir's journey, uh, you know, its its way of uh, traveling and touring. Yeah. about 100 years uh, earlier in the future, or pardon me, early 100 years in the past. Okay, so if I'm understanding this correctly, we have you have the South African company that already puts together the production. And That's then, it. So you just sort of um, bring it over. Do you sort of modify it? Is it sort of like, or does it just... It, it really comes pretty self-contained. That is, they really do control all of the elements from the lighting to the sound to yeah. the... The performers, with the only exception, and this is quite unique to a production like this, uh, this work requires a local choir to participate. So we're so thrilled uh, between Dance House and Vancouver New Music, who I should mention is the co-presenter on this particular presentation, will be, uh, you know, featuring the Vancouver Chamber Choir as playing the local choir's role. 
Oh, okay, I haven't I haven't seen the Vancouver ch um, Chamber Choir, so I think that would be an interesting. But I I do like choirs. I've always loved choirs. I was in choirs in high school, so I do think choirs are always a nice addition. Um, I I have to say that you know I I too was a music student, a very serious music student. And I sang a lot through um, my student years, and I always think of um, Vancouver as being a very choir-driven uh, town. There are many choirs, both at a community level and a professional level and a semi-professional level. Yeah. So I find it um, I find it such a great way to potentially reach out to the choir community of Vancouver to invite them to a dance house show. But I also find it's very unique that. You know, here we are, a dance presenter presenting this work, which is by a choreographer, but is as much a music show as it is a dance show. So it's this very interesting hybrid and this um, interesting community connectivity that's happening between, you know, various communities that don't necessarily come together. I see. Um, and that, I think, brings me to like my next question as well. Um, so you said it's a it's a music show and it's also a dance show. So to the extent to which you can, um, what what would you say is like the structure of the show, the 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 atmosphere the the yeah how would you describe the show itself uh, I, so I, so I won't speak to the form per se because you know we want to leave that to yeah. reveal itself yeah. um but but certainly there is a, a dialogue that goes on between the um, uh, the the four performers who are the singers so uh, here I'll, I'll I'll let this out of the bag. The visiting company is made up of four performers who are primarily singers, but they also do some moving. Okay. And then Gregory McComa, who is very much a, you know, a dance artist who is, uh, you know, does much of the dancing through the piece. And there is a dialogue that goes on between the local choir and um, uh, the four soloists that make up uh, the choir that, uh, you know, is visiting from South Africa. Okay. Um, and the well, how would you describe the atmosphere? Thank you. you. So I I don't know I feel like the best way uh, to it's like because um, there is a choir and a choir can be a bit grand in how they sound and then there's the dance and I'm guessing it's also African dance so I'm just trying to sort of um, pick or put a finger on what sort of the the tone is I guess. So it's interesting because I'd say that the, the, you know, the local choir, which again provides very much a choral uh, feeling. So, you know, they're, they're 16 performers and they very much sing as a unit, um, very chorally. And then the four soloists actually sing, they, they have very personal forms of expression. So they're not so much singing as a unit. They do some of that, but mm -hmm. they also speak with individual voices, which... Um, really brings forward part of the journey or part of the story of the original choir when it was touring back mm -hmm. in the late 1900s. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the nature of the music is a mix between, you know, uh, work that is very rhythmic and feels like it is very much from an, a South African origin. Okay. And then there is the more choral sound. So this dialogue that goes on is yeah. uh, uh, both in the, the sound of the choir, but certainly in the rhythmic aspect of the choir. And of course the rhythm also drives uh, the physical movement, uh, the dance portion that we see as well. Okay. And then as well to the extent to which you can talk about it. Um, so the the music of the choir, the I guess the original African choir, I think I, I saw that they did a bit of, um, Christian-based um, choir music, and then a bit of African traditional music. Um, so what would the music look like in this particular performance? I would say both are at play. And the choir does come from, the original choir was very much uh, born out of a missionary school. The choir yeah. uh, was attached to the school. Yeah. So I think that's probably where that, you know, somewhat solemn, uh, religious um, uh, sentiment gets woven into the piece. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of its origins. But there also is, uh, you know, rhythmic aspects that sound, uh, you know, in, in great contrast um, to, you know, what what, it, what I would sort of characterize as, you know, your very broad choral sound of, you know, a larger group singing, particularly uh, religious, religious songs. <laughs> okay. Um, and then uh, moving away from the music and now into the, I guess, the story of the show. Um, other than the larger story of the, the original African choir, will you be is the performance touching on specific, I guess, stories, but I, by, I guess, inspired by some of the um, initial music performers in that choir? Are you incorporating newer stories? Is the theme incorporating newer themes? So I, so again, I, uh, in part of the materials that I've read in terms of better understanding the piece, Gregory McComa talks about going to an exhibition where he first encountered 
um, fragments of recorded music and interviews of the original choir and photographs. And he found it so inspiring and transformative that it made him want to dance in the physical space that he was in. So that's the the movement aspect really does come from this place of uh, a certain level of joy yeah. in terms of responding to this story of the choir that was trying to make its way and tour the world. Yeah. Um, and will there be specific stories from the specific, because I was reading a bit and I was seeing, again, like I said, the records are a bit sparse, but there seems to be a bit of stories about, like one of the choir members seems to have kept a diary. One of the, I think one of them was even a married couple. Um, there was even a bit of a fallout, I think, with the choir. Will those, are those things that will show up in the performance or no? You, you've, you've done very good research. The, I would say that they're more alluded to. So that is, they're not so on the nose that um, they're necessarily being replicated. Okay. But rather, <laughs> I think that the, the notion of the characters are informed by these histories, by these fragments, uh, these um, artifacts. And it uh, feeds more into a sensibility of, you know, what was it like? Imagine what it was like for this choir in terms of, you know, encountering the broader world and yeah. touring from South Africa. And then I think on the website, it also says you're incorporating um, more modern themes of, say, migration, um, stuff like that. So how would you say you're incorporating that into the performance as well? So again, I would point to uh, Gregory and the composer who very much are, you know, taking this story and trying to, you know, contextualize it in a modern day understanding of migration, of, you know, looking at colonization, both, you know, historically, but also how there is, you know, a redefinition of trying to decolonize and trying to find make space that removes uh, the colonial origins that are in place. So in that regard, the work is somewhat confronting of the audience by making them uh, have an experience through somebody else's uh, experience on the stage, uh, again, informed very much by the choir, and, you know, gives an opportunity to give pause and try to, you know, call up um, someone of some empathy or some understanding of, you know, walking in somebody else's shoes. Um, so my general impression of the show is that, you know, there's a bit of something for everyone. There's something for the history buff. There's something for the contemporary. There's something for the music lover. There's something for the dance lover. Um, how would you describe the show to someone or anyone who's thinking about um, watching, catching the show? I So that's it's, it's interesting because I quite like the, and I would agree that the show does have a lot of satisfaction points or a lot of points of entry for different people to get into it. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I, I feel that the piece is a way of putting forward that, you know, within artistic practices, we all sort of get somewhat isolated and, you know, oh, I'm, a, you know I'm a musician or I'm a dancer. Yeah. And I think that what the piece tries to do is actually you know, push through the mechanics of, you know, discipline or form and mm -hmm. actually just get to the heart of what is being expressed and recognizing that there are many ways for the human condition to, you know, to be conveyed to other people beyond, you know, telling a story, which is the way we often do it. And we read the books or we watch the movies. But, you know, here are fragments that call upon musical expression, that call upon rhythmic expression, that call upon a physicality of expression. And all these things come together in a completely different way to give sort of a a poetry almost of many other ways of, you know, thinking about somebody else's experience. Um, and then finally, um, what was, how has the experience been for you um, putting the show together with um, Makoma and the director, Tutuka Sipisi? How was that That's right. been like for you? Uh, it's, I mean, it's been fascinating, I have to say, because I think it's actually the first presentation that certainly I've been involved with, but I think the organization as well, where there's been this local engagement uh, coming, uh, going along with, um, you know, visiting, uh, you know, artists from another place, because it, it's a bit of a shotgun wedding in some regards, because the, you know, this coordination piece is, you know, here, you've done through some emails and some Zoom calls and, you know, you know, something like this, something like that. But it's a, it's a little bit like, um, 
you know, what is it when you're a matchmaker where you're putting together, you know, uh -huh. some people, you know, it's, it's like setting people up on a blind date. And I'm pretty confident that, you know, everybody will like one another and it's going to be a great date for everybody, particularly the audience that comes to watch. Um, <laughs> but it, that has been a unique aspect of it all of trying to, you know, show the an appropriate degree of sensitivity, a sensitivity of making sure that you're putting the right people in the room together to ultimately, um, you know, have the best experience for everyone. I always think of it a little bit, you know, many of these events, these artistic presentations, I think a little bit of, uh, you know, it's a bit like doing cooking, right? You bring along all the right ingredients, but you've got to whip up the right recipe, right? The soup right. Um, recipe has to be just so to make the souffle rise. So hopefully, right. I'm pretty confident we've got all the right ingredients and the right recipe. So hopefully it's going to be a satisfying souffle for everyone. Well, 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 thank you for for joining us. Um, and thank you for your work as well. I have to say even for me as an African, this is not like a story I knew about. So having to hear about this story and I, I guess in, 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 a, in, a, in an artistic musical dance form is always um, a pleasure. Um, so thank you as well for the work you're doing and the work you're bringing to this side of the world as well. Thank you so much. And thank you for spending a bit of time on this project. It's a great pleasure to speak with you about it. All right, that was Kimara's interview with Jim Smith. Uh, Broken Chord is co-presented by Dance House and Vancouver New Music. It's playing from February 23rd to February 25th at the Dance House. Um, and get your tickets online at VancouverChamberChoir.com or at the Dance House website. Okay, amazing. Next up, we have an interview that I did with comedy duo Girl God. Uh, they are uh, performing on Saturday, February 25th at the Biltmore Cafe at 9.30 p.m. Um, Girl God is a comedy and writing duo featuring April Clark and Grace Freud. Uh, so please enjoy my interview with these two hilarious women. And here we go. <laughs> Grace Freud and April Clark, also known as the comedy duo Girl God, will be performing in Vancouver at the Biltmore Cabaret on Saturday, February 25th as a part of the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. Welcome, Grace and April. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks Hello. for having us. Thank you. So can you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves? Like, what is your origin story as a comedy duo? Yeah, um, I, I was, you know, well, first, like, 15... 20 years of my life were just spent in a dark, cold room. Um, kind of like uh, the movie, uh, The Room. Um, except um, I didn't have a hot mom there or anything. And then one day, April opened the door. Uh, the first person I ever saw, she said, hey, you got two options. Stay in this room or come be a part of this comedy duo with me. And I said, all right. I guess I'll be a part of this comedy duo with you. Is that, April, is that how it went from your perspective as well? I would say that's pretty much shot for shot how it went. And I just want to add, it doesn't matter what I was up to before I opened that door. It doesn't matter if I knew what was going on. It, it's, you know, you might wonder, did I put Grace in that room? Did I have anything to do with Grace being kept in a dark room for, the, you know, since she was a baby? And um, it doesn't matter. Yeah, not, my working theory is that she didn't because she's my friend and watching. Why would she do that? That would be crazy. <laughs> most importantly, it's just it just doesn't even it's irrelevant, you know, really what I was up to or, you know, I just don't look into it. It's not really important. Okay. The point is, you know, since then, we've uh, we've gotten to do a lot of great comedy shows, and we've talked very little about why I was in that room, or it's if April knows any of the secrets to my origins. If April I just knows don't what think my it matters. Are, uh, anything like that? Yeah, April. I don't think either of us need to be distracted by because what's important to us is frivolous putting details. on a great show. That's um, what matters most. Yeah, then this is uh, this is the show, the, the last show we're doing uh, before we kick off our tour in earnest, and um, we're very excited to come to Vancouver for the first time, 
And I'm very excited to continue to not ask April any, um, you know, piercing questions about what she knows about my origin and tragic childhood. Because it just doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So you guys are going on a tour. Yeah, we're doing doing D.C., Vancouver uh, in February. And then starting in March, we're we're doing like an 18-city tour. and kicking that off in New York, and uh, we're super psyched. Uh, Vancouver is our only outside of the U.S. stop, at least for this first half of the year. Um, so, uh, and it's our first time going outside of the U.S. Period. So, we're pretty oh psyched. wow! Well, not for not. For I mean, ever. Not, <laughs> not just for comedy purposes. For, for performing. Yeah, for performing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and are you guys, do you have any plans when you're in Vancouver? Like anything you want to do, anything you want to see, any food you want to eat? We're going to go curling, I think. Curling? Yeah, I really want to try curling. We met these guys who do curling. They kind of explained the whole thing to us and, uh, kind of explained that there's like a bar in every curling rink, which was very interesting. And, um, I think that, uh, that could maybe be our next big thing, you know, once this comedy shit peters out. Yeah, I we're kind of looking for an out at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah, you know. You know, the, there, there is a lot of money in curling, so I think that that could be your next. We thing. also, seen, we, yeah. we would like to make Girl God, you know, kind of an all-encompassing, immersive experience. And yeah, I think yeah. That would be, you know, I don't want people to access Girl God just at our live shows or just on the internet i want to be you know in the real world doing real things you know so maybe we go to the olympics maybe we yeah that would make it, if girl god was at the olympics that would make us such a much more immersive experience you know mm-hmm. especially if we were at the olympics like playing a game and not like committing some sort of like crime or heist or spectacle right yeah so like, how how would you two describe like what your comedy is well you know i i think you know, the thing is you know, a lot of people um you know like to use the word comedy for things that aren't funny and a good thing about us is when we say we do comedy we mean that we are um being funny um and telling jokes yeah about an hour of us uh just telling jokes and doing goofs uh we'll give you guys you know we'll give uh you uh, an exclusive uh this new show that we're doing is uh narrated by our good friend tim rogers um and other than that you know uh come out and see we've done so like Every tour, we do a totally new, different show. Um, sometimes they're more stand-up-y. Sometimes they're more sketchy. Um, like, last spring, we did a show called How to Be a Comedian, where we brought people up from the audience and taught them how to do comedy. But, like, the whole career, from, like, your first set to getting canceled. And that's and a like, a lot of those people that we brought up on stage and taught how to are be super famous are now. Super famous. Some <laughs> like of them Dave are Chappelle. Already- Fallen into he, he, he was somebody that we brought up on stage. Let's, we've got Dave Chappelle, Louis C.K. Um, we brought them all up. Amy Schumer. Those were all our pupils. We taught we taught them everything they know. And then last year we did uh uh like last fall we did a show that was entirely a chess game top to bottom, mm-hmm. um, but. We also did like the different rounds of the chess game were different sketches and stuff. And this show, who knows what we're going to do? We do because we've written it, but you will be surprised by it. But point being, it is just a bunch of jokes. It's me and April goofing around together. Uh, and whatever we are doing, it's all narrated by Action Button's own Tim Rogers. Okay, so it's sort of like a stand-up sketch combo because they're in like some stuff pre-written or uh you know, I'll I'll leave it it's kind of up to the viewer, I think, to determine 
how much of it is pre-written and how much of it is made up on the spot you know but the point is it's just a bunch of jokes and it's very funny and we you know there's like a lot of i think the problem with like a lot of queer comedy is it's all about um you know relatability and um you know i think uh i think that's not us yeah relatable i don't think that that's not to say that we're not relatable but just that the the premise of what we're doing is not that we are relatable yeah it's not like we're gonna go up on stage and be like oh my pronouns are they them oh unless you disagree because i'm non-confrontational you know like we're we that's a joke that is uh below our our level of funniness so expect stuff that's better than that that's stuff that's better than that okay um and then i guess my last question is um what can people get out of coming to a girl god show people can expect to leave a girl god show with a new perspective on what might turn you on sexually speaking yeah and i think people can expect also uh to uh have uh a new depth of emotion when it comes to caring about um like uh, one really skinny person and one really fat person doing comedy together you know like you 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 probably had thought that one very skinny person and one really fat person couldn't make you feel so much together you know that's that's, that's old news but actually i think we are bringing back the one very skinny person one very fat person comedy duo for an entirely new era well thank you for that um and you're thank welcome you, thank you so much for joining me today on this morning um and anyone in vancouver go see girl god's show on February 25th as a part of the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. That's where you can see Grace and April performing as a part of the Girl God comedy duo. Thank you so much. You can get tickets at girlgodlive.com. You can get tickets at girlgodlive.com or yeah. at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival website. Go Sick. get tickets. Spillmore Cafe. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. All right. And we are back to the present moment. Once again, that was an interview with Girl Gods, uh, Grace Freud and April Clark. They will be performing Saturday, February 25th at the Biltmore Cabaret. You can get your tickets at jflvancouver.com. Okay, wow. This episode is shaping up swimmingly, isn't it? Okay, so next up, what we have is um, a review of The Cull by Lua. So let's hear what Lua has to say. Hello, hello everyone. This is Lula, and today I'll be talking about The Call. The Call is a play being produced by the Arts Club. It is its world premiere, and it is an Arts Club Silver Commission funded by Stan and Kathy Hamilton. It's going on until February 26, 2023, on the Granville Island stage. So before I go into what this play is about, I do want to say that coal or culling is essentially a selective slaughter of wild animals and although this comes into play in the play it is not does it doesn't it is a very metaphorical way of approaching this idea of eat or be eaten and the reason i'm kind of like stumbling on my words is because on top of all of this i'm still like trying to process this play and i think that if someone asked me, well, before the play, I was like, yeah, I have no idea what this is about. I'm going in with a clean slate. I'm really excited to see what comes from this. After act one, if someone asked me, hey, what is this play about? I would still be like, I, I'm not entirely sure. And by the end of the second act, I was like, oh, wow, I see what they did. And so it's just one of those almost slow burn shows that you are watching things unfold you're watching an event unfold but at the same time you're not quite sure what the moral 
quote unquote, the moral of the story is, or where it's going to take you in the end of this journey. And let me just say, what a journey. What a journey. I absolutely love this play. I think it's incredibly well constructed. Uh, Each actor had incredible moments. They were all amazing. And very simple staging that really allows the story to come through and be the focus point. So the focus point of this a show like this isn't the production value, although the production value for what it was was really good. But my point is, it's that it's not a play full of multiple elements. It's bare, in a sense, of like, the entire show is done with six chairs, six actors, and an empty stage. And on top of that, you are watching those interactions. It's feels like a very human moment and you're kind of an intruder a fly on the wall watching these people having dinner together and exactly because of this feeling i cannot recommend this show enough for people who enjoy tea not the drinking kind the the gossip kind and i am one of those people that really enjoys watching other things go down but not necessarily be involved and this is the perfect play for that and so it is essentially what the coal is about, well, what the plot of the coal comes to is essentially this is uh, six friends. They are three couples that are coming together to celebrate the anniversary of one of these three couples. And through the dinner, we see conversations and situations that really highlight class issues, environmental issues, um, among a number of other things. Also like divorce and being married, what that means, financial situations, and how we are essentially performing all the time to the people around us. And this comes becomes more prominent, especially in um, higher financial circles and I think it's really interesting to see that financial class difference and how it comes into play into these relationships that have been relationships well-established relationships since high school right like they have been friends for many many years however because of their class differences at the end of the day their relationships are permeated by that additional level of complexity And this was a play that I literally could not take my eyes off of what was happening on stage. I was glued to every single word, every single moment. And I think part of it is because a lot of moments in the show felt like, and I'm going to put this in a very flourishing imagery, but the turning of a screw. Things are tightening up, tightening up, and you're you're waiting to see when it's going to crack, when it's going to all come to pieces. And I think that's a really great way of approaching it. And some of the issues that are brought up are very incredibly nuanced. And it's just one of those shows that you really don't get it until the end. And in the end, you're like, ah, that's that's it. Uh, you don't get to see a lot of these shows. And so I was just incredibly pleasantly surprised by the call. I think it's an incredible play. And as a description, it is a riveting dissection of human relationships and in the best way possible. It is uncomfortable at moments, it's funny at moments, it's deeply agonizing at moments, but it's overall incredibly good. And so that is honestly my praise to the call. I hope you can still enjoy it. It's going on for a little bit longer until again, February 26, 2023 at the Granville Island stage, and I hope you can catch it. Okay, that's it from me today. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much, Lua, uh, for that review of The Cull. Next up, we have an interview um, from Stephen. Um, <coughs> oh, pardon me. <laughs> from uh, Stephen, sorry, a review of Star Walker. Um, all right. Take it away, Stephen. Hello, hello. I am Steve Horvat, and this is my very first review for the Arts Report. Actually, my first review ever. Last night, I attended the world premiere of the play Skywalker, which runs from February 15th to March 5th at the York Theatre. 
Starwalker is a musical that was written, directed, and scored by playwright Corey Payette. This is a two-act play. It's set in a fictitious house of drag in East Vancouver. So you know there's going to be beautiful costumes, lots of color and glitter and all that good stuff. So it's very entertaining. And the singing was spot on. It was really good. I thought there was some great voices in this ensemble. I will let Corey Pitt explain a little bit about this play for you. I really started writing Starwalker as a way to express my own queerness, my own two-spirit identity, and finding a way to have a character go through a journey of self-discovery that was tied to uh, femininity, masculinity, and really not looking at those things as a binary, but really just seeing it as all different shades within there. Because I was given this great opportunity by Musical Stage, they basically said, just write whatever you want to write. Whatever whatever the show is, whatever musical that's calling to you to write, we want to be a part of that. And so they gave me so much freedom to just imagine this world and imagine what it was that I wanted to create. With that blank slate, I was able to come up with these these people, these people who were contemporary and who were struggling with feelings of disconnection and of, of trying to find a place that they could call home. And I hope that this is a real gift and an offering to the people today is that this is a way to do that. This is a way to find home and to find a place that's safe where you can be your true self and be celebrated for it. So anyone who has probably seen some of my musicals before, if you've seen Children of God or Les Filles du or Sedna, this music will be nothing like those. It's really, I'm, I'm after a contemporary musical theater sound, really looking at, at dance music, club music, trying to make a fusion of all these different styles and then pair those with drumming music and indigenous contemporary music so it really is such a huge mashup but it's a mashup I feel musically of this place so winter 2023 is the time to come to the York Theatre to see our world premiere production of Starwalker this is the first live full-scale musical that we've done since the pandemic. And so we're really hopeful that audiences will come back and that you'll be there for our queens, that you'll be able to, to celebrate with us, that you'll be able to sing with us and dance with us and really throw a massive party at the York Theatre. So buy tickets now, they're on sale, uh, don't miss out. The plot does twist and turn. The main character, Starwalker, is played by Dylan Chiblo, who is a two-spirited Ojibwe soul in real life. And this plays a big part in this play as Starwalker is able to develop this character within the framework of this story. In the opening scene, Starwalker meets a character named Levi, who is an endearing character played by Jeffrey Follis. They fall for each other right away, and Levi takes Starwalker to the house of Borealis, which is the home of a chosen family of drag queens, where we get to meet a bunch of other colorful characters, including Mother Borealis, who is played by Stuart Adam Mackenzie. The first act scenes are very light and campy with great lighting and choreography. Well, it's all strung together with some bouncy beats. And so begins the transformation of Starwalker from basically a homeless, jean-wearing person to... A spectacular drag queen. Quite seamlessly indeed, as Starwalker is welcome into this home of effervescent people. One of the things I really took from it was how meeting one person can so dramatically transform our lives and open up new worlds and possibilities for us. Without giving too much away, Starwalker confronts old patterns, triggered by some things that are going on around him in the house and he has to deal with these issues finding one's strength and finding a way to move forward perhaps a little less damaged i think the play's pretty deep actually you know with some campy moments and some fun there was such a dramatic difference between acts the first one was very light and bubbly and the second one was a lot darker Within a two-hour period, we're dealing with some um, First Nations themes, we're dealing with love, we're dealing with loss, 
We're dealing with pain. We're dealing with fear and certainly spirituality. You know, I, I totally recommend it. It was a fun night and the crowd really enjoyed it. And so I hope you get a chance to go down and see it. It's at the York Theater and the run ends on March 5th. Well, that's all I have for you right now. Take good care and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of Arts Report for this week. Once again, we are bi-weekly this semester, so uh, you can hear our new episode March 8th. And go check out the shows you saw today. Uh, The Just for Laughs Comedy Festival is happening until February 25th. So if you're looking for a laugh this weekend, go see some of the amazing comics they have. I've been lucky enough to interview a lot of them and um, go see some shows. So, uh, you know, it's it's not every day that we have a fe- comedy festival in Vancouver. So take advantage. All right, everyone. I hope you have a super lovely evening. If you're driving home right now, I hope that you... When you get home, you're going to eat something really delicious. Like you're going to have like a chicken Caesar salad or like butter chicken or, you know, maybe something that doesn't have chicken in it, like hummus and pita or something delicious uh, to cap off your evening. All right. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.
The Sweetgrass Clan is a volunteer-based coalition that provides safety, security and essential resources to the most vulnerable members of the downtown Eastside community. In addition to providing food and safety, the Sweetgrass Clan also connects people with advocates for housing, mental health counseling and drug and alcohol detox. The Sweetgrass Clan is always looking for new volunteers to support the downtown Eastside community and are able to offer volunteers grocery gift cards and bus tickets as honorariums. If you would like to offer your volunteer support to the Sweetgrass Clan, you can reach out via email at abfrontdoor.org or visit abfrontdoor.org. 